Once upon a time, there was a church going through a tough spot. They had disagreements. They were struggling with church politics, specifically in the area of ambition. Some people really wanted to be in the spotlight. They wanted to be the teacher. They wanted to be the one with the prestige and telling other people what to do. And not only did they struggle with church politics, they struggled with politics politics. Uh, Rome was an uh, oppressive force. Uh, not only persecuting the Jews and they had their, their finger, their, their boot on the neck of Israel, but they, they started to persecute Jesus followers as well. And people disagreed on how to handle that. Some wanted to collaborate and just go along to get along. Other people wanted to start assassinating Roman troops. And there were some people that wanted to try a third way. Um, the church struggled with favoritism. When a rich person walked in the room, they got the best seat for the gathering. Uh, people were making sure they sat next to the offering plate. Uh, the church was struggling with these sins, pride, gossip. I mean, they, they were struggling with verbal abuse, ripping uh, people up one side and down the other, thinking that they were better than, than the other people, the others. They started forming factions. And this church was forgetting the main point. But before we start judging them, let's take a look at our own hearts too. I'm talking about these churches that one of the first leaders of the movement of Jesus followers, he was writing to uh, churches all around Rome, but he was in Jerusalem. And he was saying like, okay, s things are crazy right now. And there's a lot going on. We're getting pressure from the outside. And we're also facing tension and anxiety and dysfunction amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can sit here in 2021 and think, oh, we've come so far. But if we take a look at ourselves and our own hearts, take a deep breath, I think um, you'll agree with me that, that James, this, this letter still has wisdom for us today. It's still just as relevant today as it was when it was written 2,000 some years ago or just under 2,000 years ago. My goodness. These, and it helps me to know that these dynamics have been present amongst brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ since the beginning. And these dynamics quickly pop up, even at the healthiest of churches. This part isn't to say, oh, those churches are so bad. Like this can, it has happened at solid ground. It can happen at solid ground. And that's why I think it's so important for us to go slowly over the words that James wrote, that words that God made sure were preserved for us. They still speak to us and they're still vital reminders to us here in 2021. And we've made it. We've been at this a little over a month. We've made it all the way to the fourth chapter of James. And I want to invite you to navigate there on your device or open up your, your paper Bible to James chapter 4. And we're starting uh, right there in verse 1. And I want to uh, take a look at the first, couple, the first couple verses. James writes to these people and says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Notice this among you. Like, so there's this, uh, there's this thing uh, that, that is happening externally, 
and there's these, these fights among you, but they come from the battles that are raging inside of us. And it was true back then and it's true now. If you look around, so much of the external conflict that we face on a daily basis or that we're, we're swimming in, in media or in our relationships, James is saying, hold on a minute. Like, yes, there's, there's stuff going on out, there's dysfunction externally, but the source is coming from inside of us. Something inside of us is lacking. We're not fulfilled. We're, uh, we're not fulfilled, so we, we do anything it takes. Maybe it's not a conscious decision. We don't do it intentionally, but we're reaching out to fill these real and perceived needs. And, and if we're not careful, we'll do whatever it takes. James mentions murdering. James mentions stealing because of unresolved internal things that are going on. We're not at peace and we've just got to get it somehow, whatever it is. And think about uh, what that is in your life internally. Maybe the thing that, that, that you've got to get is you're, you're wanting the perfect husband or the perfect wife. So you're, you're, you're grasping at different things. Uh, maybe, maybe you already have a husband, but they're not perfect. Or you already have a wife, but they're not perfect. So, so you, in order to get it, you, you have cutting comments or you're, you've communicated your expectations over and over again. That's the nice way to say it. Maybe you, you don't have, your it is the internal peace with yourself. So you're reaching out to substances or overeating or, or binge watching Netflixes or Netflix or other behaviors that can lead even more to a destructive path. But you've got to get it and that it is internal peace and you keep reaching out. Or maybe just some relief. You feel like you're hanging on on a cliff on one finger and you're just like, God, give me, save me. Uh, and and in, in, your, in your desperation, you're reaching out for whatever relief or whatever comfort you can get. Maybe your internal conflict is you don't feel like you belong. You want to be in the in crowd. Maybe you've never been in the in crowd and you're reaching out. What can I do just to find some acceptance uh, who can I group with so I can be in, in the in crowd or, or to or maybe for you it's to be right. Like the, the thought of you being wrong is just like it disturbs your inner peace so much that you have to have the last word because it for you is, is, is I've got to be right and, and, and I'm going to destroy anyone in my path that thinks I'm wrong. James here is saying, if we don't have our internal world in order, it's possible to grind, hustle, get on the freeway towards burnout, looking for something to fill the void within us. And maybe we never include God in the process. It's possible to expend all of your energy with your own solutions and not even think to look to God as the source of how to get your needs met. It's possible that you've never truly looked to God as your source. Man, what if we, are, it's possible that if when we approach God, we're just bringing God a wish list, like, like on Amazon. Don't worry, 
Only a few days left till Christmas. Sorry, I don't mean, this is, uh, I'm not gonna end in a depressing place because James doesn't end in a uh, depressing place. Uh, sorry to bring up Christmas shopping already. But how many of us approach God that way? As we're hanging on, as we're trying to fulfill this, and, and we bring God our solutions. God, if this could just be fixed. God, if, if that bill could just be paid, I think that would solve all my problems. What if we're just bringing God, maybe it's not a wish list, but maybe we're bringing God a hit list of people that really rub us the wrong way. God, if you would just set so-and-so straight. Maybe it's a person in your life that, that you do not get along with. It's like grinding gears. Or maybe it's someone that you see on the news. God, if you would just fix that person or get rid of them. I mean, as you read through the Psalms, God's fully capable of handling those things. Our frustrations, as we look through the teachings of Jesus, Jesus clearly says God knows what we need before we ask, and God knows what we want before we ask. But, but, but there's so much conflict that happens externally because we're actually trying to get something met, a, a real need, a real hurt, real healing internally. And James is saying, what if you're not really including God in the process, and maybe we think we are. He goes on in verse three to say, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. There's a way to pray, James is saying, that's just wrong. It's like treating God like Santa Claus. Because we're saying, you know, giving him our wish list, and I'd like this, I'd like that, I'd like this. And that word pleasures there, that, that original language in, in the Bible, that's where we get our English word hedonism. And God wants to be so much more than a Santa Claus type figure in our life. Like God does care about those. Those are, God cares about everything. The scriptures say God knows when we stand up and sit down, cares about the most minute details in our life, how many hairs we have or don't have on the top of our head. God knows about that stuff and cares. But James is, is leading us to a place of reminding us God wants to be so much more than a Santa Claus. And there's images all throughout the scriptures, and Ezekiel, Isaiah, Hosea, that use this, this imagery of marriage to help us understand how much God wants to be involved in our life and how much God loves the church. How, how many times have we prayed like, God, I, I want to want to know that you're enough for me. God, what do you want for me. God, what's your solution in this problem? What's your solution? Will you please fill me up? Will you remind me, God, that you are my source of strength to hang on for just one more day? How many times have we approached God like that? And, or, or how easy is it to forget to pray, God, not my will, but your will be done? Whereas Jesus I prayed, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done. I get it. It's, it's easy if we're on autopilot to just talk to God and, and forget to do that. 
But when we, when we just treat God like Santa Claus and just give him our, our wish list that we want to make our lives comfortable, James goes on to say in verse 4, You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? That's pretty heavy. (laughs) So stick with me. Don't run away just yet. Because when I hear someone call me adulterous people, and and luckily James is talking to these people first, but we can glean uh, from them. He's not saying that they're actually committing adultery, but he's saying like God has put this beautiful feast in front of them, this feast of a relationship that actually fulfills their deepest needs. But these people are reaching out for something else instead. That God has, has shown them the path. And uh, they're reaching out for, for their own solutions because that's what they think will bring them comfort um, in the moment. That's what they need. We all, but you and I, how often do we think we need something else? So we, we ask for that something else. But, and when James talks about the world there, like becoming friends with the world. He's not talking about the actual planet Earth and becoming friends with a rock. He's talking about the corrupted system. So many places in scriptures when it mentions the world, it means, uh, sometimes it means the actual cosmos, but sometimes it just means the corrupted system. People uh, in, our, in our culture these days, just like in ancient Rome, uh, they're flying without a compass. Uh, uh, without any instruments, flying upside down. And when we do that, that's what it's like to become friends with the world. That there's, there's no moral standards. There's no, no even thought of the way God's kingdom works. And when we live like that and try to, try to go about our life the way the rest of the culture does, uh, we don't have, so we murder. We need something, we covet something, and we don't have it, so we just take it for ourselves. That's becoming friends with the world. And you can't, you can't enter into a marriage and, and say, okay, I want to get married to you, but I want to have my own thing on the side. Like, that doesn't work. Cultures have tried that. Uh, polygamy or, or all that kind of stuff. Like, there's something hardwired into our human nature that really craves to have a relationship with just one person that's exclusive. And it's a, it's a clue that God has given us. A, it's, a, it's a metaphor, too, for how God feels about us. He wants us to look at God. God wants us to look at God as the source and the only source. But so often, we just bring God our wish lists and hit lists in prayer. And James is saying, like, don't you guys get it? The creator of the universe yearns for you, some translations say. The creator of all of this longs to be your source, to be your friend, to be like the one that that you go to first. And then to to say to him like, oh, well, that's nice. God, could you give me something else actually? That's why James is using such strong language as you adulterous people. When we do that, what a slap in the face. You know, parents know this a lot. 
can spend so uh, so much time and energy or even um, even um, resources on making like a beautiful steak dinner for a six-year-old or whatever and they just turn their nose up at it like mm, can we just get McDonald's instead or, or whatever and you're like oh my goodness you don't know what I've just put in front of you but but a good and healthy parent knows like okay it's gonna be here and I get where you're at but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep uh, engaging you I'm gonna keep loving you and even more than a perfect parent like God it, it does hurt and, and it's really hard for us to throw God's um, uh, like God's not up up in heaven going like, I'm so offended like God understands but but when we actually wash ourselves in this thought that God the creator of the universe has put a feast of contentment and love and peace in front of us. And our job is to surrender and to trust that even though maybe our palate isn't refined enough yet, we don't quite yet hunger and thirst for righteousness, we haven't acquired that taste, but when we trust and look to God to meet our needs before our own smarts, before our own talent, before our own resources, when we look to God first, say, I'm gonna trust you, I haven't quite developed a taste for grilled asparagus yet, but I'm gonna trust that this will nourish me. Um, it's, it's being faithful to God and, 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 and setting us on the path towards contentment, towards ordering our inner world so that we can make a difference with the externals. So uh, we don't want, I mean, it's just from a plain reading, being an enemy of God. It's not, um, it's not something that we want to do, but there is a way that we can live our life where we're just doing things the world's way and God looks at that and says, son, daughter, the way you're living, like you're living like you're my enemy. And I don't want you to be my enemy. I want, I want deep, close, and personal relationships with you. I want to be your source. And listen, listen to what Jesus prays. Jesus is talking about his disciples and he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Like Jesus's disciples, they were following Jesus and they looked to Jesus as their source and they understood you can't have both. When you try to do things God's way with a little side of the way the world does things, it never, ever works out. But James doesn't leave us hanging. James doesn't leave us with just some hard words. I love verse 6 so much, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I mean, just say that out loud right now. More grace. Type it in the comments. Thank God that God gives us more grace. No matter how you've lived your life, whether you've been double-minded with just a little Jesus on the side or just a little world on the side, or maybe you're just checking this thing out and you've never even thought about God isn't in the equation. Like right now, the door is still open. God gives us more grace, maybe for all of our life. 
We've turned our nose up at all of the beauty that God has placed before us. And we've said, no, I don't want that. I want something else instead. God is still there. If you spent your life on other wild things, the door of God and his love and his grace, it's still open. We can still walk in. For those of you who've grown up in church, if you're getting images of that loving father or the prodigal son, that story of and, and seeing the, the loving father waiting at the door, looking, waiting for the son to come to his senses, even though the son spent all of the father's money on wild living, even though the son ran off, even though the son basically said the equivalent of, I wish you were dead so I can have just the, the money that you have. The father was still there waiting. And when God saw the son coming, he had come to his senses, coming back home, the father ran towards him. So James isn't just a spiritual two by four whacking us over the head saying, you naughty men and women. James is saying, this happens. And when it happens, know that that God gives more grace. God always gives more grace. I know I've shared some of my story uh, from time to time uh, with with you, and uh, you'll probably know that that my grandfather's life made a very big impact. He was a minister, and he uh, watching his life made a gigantic impact on the way that I see God. Um, and he was a minister, and was a uh, on TV like a televangelist, and they had this. Christian campground that you could come to and it it got bigger and bigger and the way he tells the story some uh somewhere along the line uh he and the other leaders of this ministry stopped looking at God as their source and started looking around at the satellites and the famous people coming there and the buildings that they built and started thinking not intentionally but after a while thinking look what we built Look at what we're doing. We're a pretty big de- we're a pretty big deal. This is awesome. And then, uh, long story short, it came out that there were some things going on uh, that that were illegal. The uh, way they were handling money and this and that. It's a really long story, and uh, because um, because of some decisions that they made early on, even though they didn't know it was illegal, they did it. My grandpa wound up in jail. It was a big scandal, and and his boss, who was the leader of the ministry, they wound up that that guy wound up in prison as well, and he was in there for a couple of years. And after he came out, um, watching him apologize for reaching for the world's way of doing things and forgetting to look at God as the source, what I love is I got to watch him experience God's grace and go around to churches after he got out of prison and say, I'm sorry for causing the body of Christ's reputation. Uh, I'm sorry. And do you know what? People were overwhelmingly forgiving because when we have integrity to say, I blew it, I'm, I'm a work in progress, I've lost my integrity, This is, and I'm on the journey back, I'm sorry for any hurt that I've caused you, I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused you, People respect that. It's when we are when and James is saying the same thing here. Like when we realize that we've blown it, and he gives us some steps. He says, "Okay, enough is enough. 
Submit to God. Resist the devil. Humble yourself and draw near to God right now. I'll read you the verses. Here are the steps when we realize that we've blown it. We're looking to other things uh, other than God as our source. Verse 7, James says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to moaning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And I love this part. And he will lift you up. I'll say that again. He will lift you up. James is using temple language from Jewish temple, temple worship where you realize and you come to this place and, and, and offer a sacrifice acknowledging all the ways that you and your family and the community have blown it. And there were, there were these rituals that they would go through where they represented cleansing inside and outside. And there were certain sacrifices that, that James is, is referring to that, that I explain as a grace contagion. Like there's things that in our life that are unholy. And, and when we draw near to God, when we draw near to Jesus, we don't make Jesus dirty. Jesus is purity. Jesus is wholeness. It's contagious and it makes us infected with righteousness. It makes us infected with purity and love. That's why James is saying here, come to your senses. Draw near to God. Because when we do, even if we take one step towards God, God is running 10 steps towards us. James is saying, come to your senses and remember like, oh God, what I really wanted is you. And I've been looking to all these other sources, all my other solutions. James is saying, just say it out loud. God, I want you. The words of Jesus in Matthew 6.21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So right now, we're not done, like right at the three quarters of the way through this, let's have a come to Jesus moment. Let's draw near to God right now. Wherever you are, maybe grab a piece of paper, a pen. Uh, maybe, maybe you're a real go-getter and you start a spreadsheet. But let's make a list of all the things that have been taking up space in our head. Make a list of all the things that have been taking up space in your heart. Maybe you've been praying about them and offering God your own solutions, or, or, or maybe not. What are you worried about? What are you mad about? Like what, what really just pokes you and sets you off? What are you anxious about or scared of? Just write it down. And this is just for you. Don't, you don't have to put this in the comments. Write it out. And as you're writing them out, hear Jesus talking to your heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As you're thinking, like I, I wrote out my list. Like my kids are on my list. It takes up a lot of my, a lot of my space. You guys, I have a 12-year-old at home <laughs> who's almost 13. My 12-year-old's a great kid. But the world is a big, scary place to put my 12-year-old kid. 
the influences that are out there takes up a lot of space. And I've been bringing God a lot of my own solutions. I've got a 10-year-old. I've got a five-year-old. I've got a lot of solutions for my five-year-old. That takes up a lot of, of space. You know, my, my parents' health, uh, my mom, my dad, his wife, my grandma's, um, takes up a lot of space in my head and heart. I've got solutions for those. The church, oh my goodness, we're going through a pandemic together. Uh, the the, the uh, ALCS, Alta Loma Christian School, takes up a lot of space. Our, our wedding venue, Hidden Oaks, like that, these are all things on my list. Uh, I was also writing like people in our culture putting their identity in the wrong places. I've got a lot of solutions I've been bringing to God about that over the past, especially over the past 450 days. You know, people putting their identity in political parties first and foremost, or nations first and foremost, or their orientation to the opposite gender. Like, none of these things are meant to be our uh, overarching way that we define ourselves. Like, we're supposed to be sons and daughters of God. That's how we were created. Or people putting their identity in their work, their job accomplishments. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God yearns, James tells us, for us to, to treasure God. God wants our hearts. And when we put our hearts there our, and put our treasure there, our, our energies, and that's uh, pointing our hearts towards God, God will be our treasures. God will be our treasure. So take your list, whatever there, and, and now that you've got it, you know, just throughout the week, pray, God, your will be done. God, what do you want? God, uh, instead of bringing God your, this is not just a wish list of, God, I want this outcome to happen, but say, God, use me in this situation. Pray, God, can you give me your wisdom about what to do about this? God, will you give me your insight into these cultural dynamics, or maybe it's an interpersonal relationship, and pray, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I trust you to be the source for this problem, this anxiety, whatever it is. And as James is strongly encouraging us to, to point our attention and focus on God and to be surrendered to God as the source, he says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So my friends, James is saying, let's quit fighting and find our fulfillment in God. Let's stop fighting with each other and fighting against God. Let's stop thinking that we're better than the other side. Let's stop thinking that we're better than the others. There's one judge at the end. And it's not about what we think, it's about what God thinks. And right now in this moment, just come to God and say, God, I've blown it in so many ways. And hear God speaking to your heart saying, Great. I'm glad you've admitted that. Now draw 
near to me. It's what I've wanted and what I've longed for. Walk away from that other stuff and let me worry about taking care of you and fulfilling you. I got you. Dear Heavenly Father, we repent of looking for other stuff and in this moment, we are trusting that you will be the source for our anxiety that, and, and, and comfort, our, our source of comfort in all that we're going through, source of wisdom. And we speak to every, every need and situation and prayer request and ask for wisdom and pray that your kingdom come and your will be done. Show us your will, God, so we can jump in and be a part of redeeming and rebuilding and restoring this creation that you love so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So until we come together again, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at sgbic.com. You can find us there. Uh, let us know if you have questions about the sermon, uh, something to add, or if you have prayer requests, sgbic.com is the place to go. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. And may God help you see that God wants to be your source. May you always put your identity in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.